of business Driving late at night Psycho 78 12 o'clock Don't be late I Greetings and salutations My name is Justin Lore And I'm Liam O'Donnell And you are listening to episode 53 Of Horror Business Horror Business Now this is a very special episode In that it's not very special. This is our 2018 year in review, so we will not be talking, not be your usual format. We won't be comparing two movies. We'll be comparing a lot of movies and talking about lists and shitting on things. So that's the same. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I will say a positive sort of thing of this is that we don't often get to talk about, we don't cover a lot of new movies. We don't. Um, and that's, I want to be clear, uh, what I like about this episode is that it allows us to establish we're not... It's not that we don't like new horror. No, I love it. A lot of shows that only cover retro stuff the way we tend to cover retro stuff don't like new horror. And that's not us. We we enjoy a lot of new horror movies. I will say I had a much lighter year this year than I would have liked. Um, uh, the same was true last year. And I think that this is both symptoms of just not even to get to go to as many festivals as I would like. Even the one festival we did get to go to, Brooklyn Horror. was great. It was great, but we I only went two two days. You know what I yeah. mean? If it's a week long festival, I went twice. You know what I mean? Like even though I got to see a lot of movies one of the days, it's just a reality. Like if you get to go to a festival, whether it's a big one like Fantastic Fest or Toronto or something like that, or a small one like Brooklyn Horror or Panic Fest in uh, uh, Kansas City or uh, what is the there's one in Knoxville, I think. You're like looking at me like I'm a crazy person. There's also Beyond Fest in LA. Yeah, Beyond Fest. I think Beyond Fest is pretty big though, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's there's a variety. You know, you can go to Salem Horror Fest. Yeah. And even just going going to any genre fest means you're going to have a much broader view of horror than those of us who just went to whatever was at the multiplex. You know yes. what I mean? Like if if your only choice was Slenderman, then Slenderman's probably going to be on your list. Just saying. Not on my list. Yeah, well. Not on my list. <laughs> you you did go see it, though. <laughs> no, I didn't go see it. I watched it at home. Okay, okay. Yeah, what did you go see that was utterly... Oh, right. Um, the Nun. I like that movie. I know. It, did it get a... It got an honorable mention in my list. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Great. <laughs> so anyway... <sighs> like all of our episodes, this episode is brought to you by our beautiful, beautiful... Magical. So beautiful, magical unicorn Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much to all of our Patreon subscribers. It is so greatly appreciated that I, I lack the verbiage to properly frame the feeling that I'm feeling right now. But it's a good feeling, so just know that it's a good feeling, and we are eternally grateful. If you are listening to this and you're like, holy shit, they have a Patreon. That's really weird that I just realized this after listening to the show. <laughs> you can go to our, you can go to www.cinepunks.com. There's all a bunch of stuff on there, how you can click and donate to our Patreon. Um, we will do this for free till the day we die, um, which could be at any time. Anytime. But running a podcast network does come with some costs, and any bit of help that you choose to give us is so greatly appreciated. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in, 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 in pitching something a little bit our way, uh, just head on over to www.cinepunks.com, and um, yeah, just... Click on the Patreon page. It'll show you how to donate. Uh, any, like I said, any little amount is, is greatly appreciated. Anything you guys do, any retweet, any shout out, anything like that, we love it. It's it. I, I don't feel much good things anymore. But when I see someone say like, hey, "You should check out Hard Business. You should do this. You should do that." I just I feel good. So thank you. 
Thank you for helping Justin feel a little less sad. Yes. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by um, the... I can't even come up with anything clever. The people. The pod people. <laughs> the pod The pod people. people at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Now, if I said to you, Liam... Yes, you've said Liam to me before. <laughs> you have been looking for t-shirts... Uh, to get made to show your appreciation for the good guy dolls from the Chucky movies. Okay. Where would you go? If you said to me, you say, where can I go to get those? I would say, I'm talking to myself. I'm like fourth person now. I would say, Liam, go to Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Liam, why, why should they go to Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations for their their their, their Brad Door of Chucky doll t-shirts? <laughs> well, besides being the premier screen printer of the Lehigh Valley, uh, LVAC is uh, professional, personable, and creative. Accurate. <laughs> All those things are accurate and true. I can personally attest to the fact that for my for my employer recently, we needed uh, shirts made. So Chris sat down with me, and I said, this is what I need. I need this kind of shirt. I need that kind of shirt. I need these kind of hoodies. I need this. I need that. Can you do this? Can you do this? And then he explained to me all the different kind of weaves and all that stuff, because I don't know anything about shirts. I'm a spooky person. I'm not. I'm not into shirts. I don't collect T-shirts. I don't know this stuff. I mean, first of all, you do collect T-shirts. I actually. collect T-shirts, but I, I. Your concern primarily though is what's printed on them. Yeah, not what my made training of. is in history, philosophy, and 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 sort of, I guess, at this point in film, I don't know anything about T-shirts. So go there. You have no film training. Stop it. I to, I mean, for for this, it's like at this point in my life, That's I, fair. I might That's as well. Fair. I might as well get like an honorary degree from like DeSales or something like that. <laughs> Northampton Community College, which I, I, I have an associate's degree from. Um, so if any of this interests you, for whatever reason, if you need t-shirts made for your Cabbage Patch Doll Appreciation Club, um, looking around Liam's basement, for your Air America starring Mel Gibson and Robert Downey Jr. Uh, <laughs> Appreciation Club, go there. Tell them that. They'll come up with a design for you. They'll help you bring your idea to life and print it onto a t-shirt of your choosing. They'll say, oh, you might want to choose this weave. You might want to choose this fitting. These t-shirts are different. They fit to p- bodies differently. They're snugger. They'll do that. So. <laughs> the look you gave yourself when you said the word snugger was I great. am. I am my own <laughs> harshest critic, <laughs> sadly. Uh, go to www.xlvacx.com. That's xlvacx.com. <laughs> Do not let those X's fool you. Chris Reject is like those people on MySpace back in 2003 or 2004 who you wanted to get. You're like, oh, man, I'm going to get like hard X lore. And you're like, some fucking poser who's not even straight edge took that already. Because Chris Reject is both of those things, not straight edge and a poser. (laughs) So, yeah. www.xlvacx.com. Now (laughs) is the fucking moment I look forward to. Oh, my God. From the second... Oh, this Jesus. question leaves my lips on the last episode. Liam, oh, son of a bitch. have you watched anything horror-related recently? Um, yeah, I guess so. All right, two things I'm going to highlight for you. So I haven't seen... I mean, okay, correct me if I'm wrong here. There's not really any new horror to, for me to see at this point. No, we're out of horror season. Yeah, it's just not... I've definitely watched a f- couple things in preparation for knowing we were doing this end of year... Um, one thing that didn't make my list, but I did watch was, uh, Hellfest. It's fine. It's fine. Mm. 
Interesting. Did you think it was fine? No, I didn't watch it because it looked like dog shit. It's 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 fine. Okay. It's I mean, what it is is uh, a fun idea for a short. Oh, okay. Let me say that I do kind of want to see it because it has Tony Todd in it. Briefly. Briefly, but you know what? That's better than no Tony Todd. Sure. And it has an act, an actor in it who is. I don't know if they're trans or LGBTQ. I know who you're talking about. Yes, I would like to just for 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 diversity sake, I'd like to see that. Yeah, I think not trans, but I could be wrong. Okay. Uh, so, oh, uh, what can I say about it? Um, it's kind of a easy setup. Okay. In the sense of teenagers go to um, well, so here's something you may not know if you're listening to this and you're not in. I think the biggest area for this would be the L.A. area. Mm. But if you're not in one of these places where uh, a, a local amusement park goes to the next fucking level for Halloween, then you're going to be a little confused what's going on in this movie because these kids go to Hellfest. Yeah. And Hellfest is clearly like not Scary Farm or Disney Halloween. Well, Disney Halloween's a little laid back, but you know what I mean? Like... I feel like you get a lot of this in the L.A. area because there's so many out-of-work actors that taking two months to, like, scare people in an amusement park is actually, like, a sick gig that people, like, get stoked to have. Yeah. This thing, in our area, there's a number of, like, scary hate rides and stuff. Donnie Park does it. Yeah. This makes those places look like they're in your backyard. Interesting. Like, it's just this massive... And I'm sure some of that is movie magic, but some of it is, like... If you didn't know these things existed, you might watch this movie going, I can't believe any of this. What is fucking Hellfest? How is this a real thing? What's going on here? But it, And part of it isn't real because it's a traveling thing. It's supposed to happen all over the country. But you're watching it going like, okay, so this is Orange County is what you're saying. This is where this is happening. Um, and so basically a dude goes to the scary thing the same time as our teens and goes in as a customer. And then pulls a mask out of his pocket, pops a mask on, and then just goes around real world murdering, and no one knows because it's scary land time. Uh, let me take back what I said and said I think look, that looks like dog shit. I was being hyperbolic, which I tend to be. Yeah. It didn't look that bad. Right. It looked medium rare. Right. It actually is kind of a simple premise, which I appreciate. Right. But nothing about it really grabbed me. Well, and this is the thing. There's nothing compelling. What they're trying to go for is like a shape. Like, that yes. this guy is just compelling because he's weird and yeah. scary, and he murders people, and that's it. And I prefer that, in some ways, to these slasher movies where there's this massive, complicated backstory for some guy with a knife. Mm. You don't really need... It doesn't actually make it scary to be like, and then the his mom made him wear a dress. And the cult of the thorn yeah, like did this. None of these things help these movies. So I'm glad that they avoided that but there's not enough to the plot, really. And it's a small enough... They really just focus on this one group of friends. Yeah. So it's like, you know which of them have to die at which times for the movie to continue to be interesting. Okay. They can't get to the last 20 minutes, and it's like, yeah, we got a good four kids left of the six. That doesn't work. Yeah. Like, they got to kill some, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I think the... The part about these movies that could that really doesn't work a lot is that it's completely unbelievable. And I think actually the way they pull off the kills and the way that they sort of move the plot along, it is kind of vaguely believable that this guy could be getting away with it for a while, you know? But it ends 
in a way that's a little on the like edgy side mm. not too bad but just a little bit like <laughs> and i've just realized having been to as we were talking about a number of genre film festivals in my past that uh if you're gonna have a real sort of edgy flirting with a fedora ending that's really for your short film that's yes. really like a like a short film can be kind of like and then who knows what's gonna happen because it was only 20 minutes you know yeah, like yeah, yeah. you can you can end with whatever crazy shit you want in that case but if i've put it a full if I've put a full hour and a half in, I need a real ending. I and, got you. And it and the way it ends is just kind of like, okay, sure, you know. Um, so that's one thing I watched, and it didn't make my list, so I don't mind talking about that. Two things that also won't be on my list, but I think they're worth mentioning. Um, I watched Bandersnatch. Uh, when I say I watched Bandersnatch, what I mean is I made it one time through Bandersnatch. I actually made it three times through, but one time to an actual sort of satisfying ending. Okay. Um, for those of you who don't know, Bandersnatch is an episode of Black Mirror that is choose your own adventure. Kind of. Although it's not clear. Sometimes you choose something and the character ignores what you chose. Okay. You choose and the movie goes some- and the show goes somewhere. But you, it's not always clear that what you chose matters. Okay. Some of the choices are irrelevant. Like, the first choice you make is what cereal is he going to have? And it doesn't actually affect the rest of the movie in any major way, though it does in small ways. Okay. So it's like, that's kind of... It, it, what it boils down to is, it is a new technology thing, like sort of Netflix being like, this is how we could do entertainment into the future, is like these sorts of like, you know, audience-controlled entertainment. On the other hand, I mean... So the story, for those of you who don't know, is there's a kid. He's trying to develop a video game in, like, 1984. And his mom died when he was very young. And her favorite book was this giant tome called Bandersnatch. It's like a Lewis Carroll book, isn't it? Well, it's based off a Lewis Carroll character. But the book is, like, he's in 1984, but the book is from the 70s. And it's, like, this guy wrote this huge, giant thing, the cover of which looks like Yodorowsky's Dune or something. Okay, And... Basically, this dude wrote this giant thing that's bigger than the Brothers Karamazov, but is a choose-your-own-adventure. And it and after he finished writing it, he went crazy and murdered his family and himself. Mm. And this book is very popular with shut-in British nerds. I don't know. It's like a thing. So this dude's trying to develop a game version of it, and that's where you're at. Is like he's trying to develop it, and it's like you're helping him figure out what's oh. what's next. Setting a kid up in a world of newly sort of burgeoning video games he's creating the first sort of like walkthrough video game experience like it's it looks like a shitty early version of doom is what he's trying to write okay. in like 1984 but it's like a choose your own adventure like role-playing sort of thing yeah yeah there's so much cool you could do there and then he I, he goes to work for a company where his favorite video game developer works and the, his favorite video game developer is like a drugged up punk dude who's like very weird so there's like a very interesting sort of textured world and i just don't feel like they did much with it okay so on one hand it's very cool to do this sort of thing and i think a lot of people have been crapping on it for the functionality of it and i think that's stupid i actually think it's really neat that they did this even if it's a gimmick even if it's a bit of a marketing gimmick to be like this is what Netflix can do. You know, like, yeah. I think there's a bit of that going on. I'm okay with that. That's fine. It's cool. The problem is they just don't do enough interesting stuff narratively for me. Now, like I said, 
maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to do it again, make some different choices, and some cooler stuff will happen. But for me, I was just kind of like, this is neat and disappointing at the same time. Interesting. If that makes sense. It makes, yeah. The function of it is neat. I just wish the story was a little more cray-cray for my taste. Uh, and one last thing. I started watching a show, I'm just started getting in, called Over the Garden Wall. Have you ever heard of this? Uh, that rings a bell. It's a... It's a um, it's a cartoon from Cartoon Network that has uh, um, Elijah Wood as one of the voices. Um, his name is escaping me, but uh, Back to the Future, the Doctor. Christopher Lloyd? Yeah, Christopher Lloyd is one of the voices in the first episode, at least. Uh, and it's a weird combination of creepy fantasy and humor. I'm trying to think why I've heard of this. Um, I think some of the people who wrote it have written other stuff. And it, okay. it came out, and it was kind of like an event thing. Okay. The episodes are short. I'm only a little bit in, but it, it manages every episode to be both silly and utterly creepy at the same time. Because this kid is in this... It's, it's not clear that what he's experiencing is real or if he's in, like, a nightmare world. I don't and like that. He, he's not sure, and... He's too much of an asshole to figure it out. It's two brothers. One is Elijah Wood, and one is, I think, voiced by an actual child. Okay. And when they interact, Elijah Wood's character is too much like the uh, soliloquy slash monologuing uh, Victorian figure. Like, he just keeps getting distracted by his own ennui when he should be paying attention to, like, what's happening. And then the little kid is an actual crazy child who has a frog he's named kitty like at a certain point they're lost in the woods and elijah wood says we should make a trail so we don't get lost and so this kid just starts throwing candy out of his pants for the rest of the show just at random times just so we'll stop and just go yee and just throw candy so this is not a new show uh no it's a couple years old but okay. i just started watching it yeah looking up the animation it it reminds me of uh, I can't quite place it. Like something like Gravity Falls or something like that. Like shit that yep. like my niece would watch. Yeah, Gravity yep. Falls. Yeah, my niece loves Gravity Falls. Yeah, some of the stills in this are uh, terrifying. Yeah. That's uh, that's sort of where it's at. You know, they, they encounter a nightmare dog and it's funny, but yep. it's also super creepy. So looking at that right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's about that's. A, you know, that's, what, you know that's... what it looks like? Do you remember that comic book Bone from back in the day? Yep. Yep. The fucking terrifying, weird monster things in that? Yeah. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah. I don't like yeah. that. That's scary. I like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, but, yeah, I you know, I love animation, and I, I actually watch a lot of cartoon stuff, which we don't get to talk on about on here because there's not that many horror-related cartoons, per se. Yeah. But um, this one was creepy enough. I thought I'd bring it up, and I'm glad to have another. I just like little animation stuff, you know? Yeah. I'm a big Steven Universe fan, so, you know. Yeah. All right, dude. How about you? What have you done? Uh, horror related. This is like tangentially horror, sort of. Um, I finally saw Upgrade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that's like Lee One Lee One L. So that's like that's horror. Yeah, sure. I really liked it. Um, I thought it was like a perfect combination of like Death Wish and Blade Runner and and RoboCop, and I thought I had like I thought I had it figured out as soon as, uh. I was like, I know who killed his, you know, who, who, this is in the trailer, so this is not a spoiler. I know who killed his wife, and I know who set him up. And then I was like, 
I see that coming from like a mile away. And then at the end, I was like, yeah, I was totally right. I fucking knew it. And then there's that like further twist and you're like, oh shit. And then there's the even like the, first off, you saw this movie, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. That ending was the way that unconventional and unexpected dark ending should go. It was not like a happy ending per se, but it wasn't as like pessimistic and nihilistic as uh, the ending of life was. That didn't feel earned. It just felt like, um, what's where's the darkest place we can go to 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 completely like subvert and piss off the the, the audience? I didn't feel that that's what this movie did. It made sense with the rest of the story. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was like no that 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 was an earned ending. I agree. Uh, I thought the the tech. The hard sci-fi in that movie was fucking cool as shit, mm-hmm. and a little a little dumb though. Yeah, I, I mean, the the, o- the only thing I thought was dumb, honestly, yeah. was there. There's the scene where one of the bad guys, uh, like blows a kiss at one of the guys, and it's these like tiny little like nanobites. I thought that was like. See, I actually think that is more interesting to me than handgun. Yeah, but that handgun sets up for a really cool kill. Sure, but it's not actually a good... It's not actually that useful to have the gun in, in your arm. No, but it's, again, they need it for the, the for the cool kill. All right. I just... That part, that end of the technology, I was like, oh, all right, that's fine. And I, I, every, I know that... Uh, what's his face? The, the main actor whose name I can't... It's Logan Marshall Green. He was in like The Invitation and, and Spider-Man Homecoming. I know people like to shit on him as like a poor man's Tom Hardy... But I kind of like the fact that this dude can stand on his own, and I've enjoyed him, even though he was only in Spider-Man: Homecoming for like a few minutes. I really like that guy, and I think that this movie was—I uh, don't know if it's just the poor man's Tom Hardy comparison. I think this movie is what Venom could have been, if instead of like a kind of—I know I don't want to spoil it, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, like if the symbiote wasn't like good-natured in a way, yeah, uh, which is a spoiler. So fuck. Okay. Um, Hellfest, huh? <laughs> no, uh, I didn't really see much uh, horror-related otherwise. Um, I started watching Project Blue Book, which, again, tangentially horror. So what is it? I don't know much about it. It's about Project Blue Book. You don't know what Project Blue Book was? No idea. Uh, back in the f- 40s or 50s, the Air Force... Um, the Air Force decided to see what was up with flying saucers. Oh, sure, sure. So sure, they sure, opened sure. up this a series of investigations for it, and they were like, yeah, it's nothing. It's not a real threat. And then only like 30 years later was it like, yeah, we got all these like thousands of cases, and we can't explain 23% of them. Like absolutely could not explain 23% of them. And the guy at the forefront of it was this. They went to, I think it's in Ohio, he was a professor of astronomy in Ohio, this guy named J. Allen Hynek, uh-huh. who was a professor. He was just a fucking nerd. And these military yeah. guys show up and they're like, show us what flying saucers are. So they like take him or they, they took him and they were like, here's explain all this shit. And in, you know, in real life, he started out as like a diehard skeptic. Like this is people hallucinating. This is swamp gas. That's where the whole swamp gas thing comes from. And at the end, he was the guy who was like, yeah, but there's still like 23% of these sightings that I cannot explain. Yeah. Um, and the show is just about that. It's played by, uh, are you a Game of Thrones person? Yeah. Littlefinger plays Jalen Hynek. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Um, 
they take they basically make him like a sort of Indiana Jones style character, which I'm okay with. And it looks like the way they're going is they're gonna like highlight some of the more famous cases that they investigate, and it's only loosely based on reality. Um, but it's still interesting. It's very it's like a period piece. It's very like sure. there's a lot yeah. of intrigue. Like I know that in real life they were concerned with like how are the Russians gonna handle this? Right. We gotta find out what this is before the Russians are. And now they're injecting sort of like Russian spies into this, and there's like men in black, and it's being marketed as like based on real accounts the real files oh but in reality God. it's like it just looks like it's going to be a fun period piece right that involves like ufos and the flatwoods monster okay so i'm in i'm i'm in i'm in all in on that this is right up your alley yeah also what's his face the guy who he's a famous character actor i cannot i don't remember his name neil something he was in band of brothers he played damian dark in arrow Oh, he's I forget in it, his name. Yeah, but yeah, he's yeah, in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's he is an asshole. He's like a military asshole. Sure, sure. He's the guy who's fed up with these fucking eggheads, and he wants answers, which he is these in every fucking eggheads. Yeah. The eggheads keep hiding the crypto terrestrials. I, I know. Well, the, that's we don't have time for that. <laughs> we don't have time for it to talk about that because they're tall whites. Is that crypto terrestrials? Or are the eggheads tall whites? In disguise? the eggheads are tall whites in disguise. Yeah, the crypto terrestrials are more gray or mantids. I, how do they make a movie called Hellfest and not talk about the, the fucking hardcore fest Hellfest <laughs> Hellfest is the name that, it's even worse than that dude because there's there's a part of Hellfest that is called the Badlands and in the Badlands you have to sign a waiver before you go in and, and everyone can touch you so like as soon as they walk in someone just picks up one of the characters and runs away with them I don't like that. Yeah. I mean, it is true. There are haunted places where you have to sign a waiver because they'll, they'll touch you. And That's you my nightmare. You can't touch them. Yeah. I don't know anyone. I, I don't know who these people are that are like, that's like the, you know, there's those scary houses you go through naked, that that's a real thing. Fuck that, yeah. I thought that was made up for TV, but that's no, a it's real. No, it's real. Out in LA, there's one that, um, it's it's more. I like how we keep talking about LA. Like, it's this fantasy, you know, in LA where the streets are paved with gold. <laughs> But it's like, it's got to be both, right? Out in L.A. where the streets are paved with gold and every young person is forced into sexual slavery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's like a haunted house that is, um, it is, because most of these haunted houses, filled, they, filled with mantids? That is my, per- <laughs> if, if there's a hell and I go there when I die, that's what it's going to be. Just giant praying mantises like leering at me <laughs> and fucking prodding me. <laughs> um, it's a house that they basically, it's designed to be like something out of a David Lynch movie. Sure. Like yeah. I read, I read an interview with the with the creator, and he specifically said, like, I wanted to make this less like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and more like Mulholland Drive. Sure. So it's like you have to go to a library on a certain day and go to the library and ask for like a certain book, and she'll be like, Oh, it's right here. And then you open the book, and then there's like a note saying like, Go to this cafe tomorrow at two thirty when a gentleman will hand you an envelope. And then there's like the thing, you know, that's where you go, the yeah. coordinates. Yeah. And that shit is like nuts to me. So that that's like. I don't know. I don't know why I start talking about that, but there, there it is. Um, <laughs> You're just talking about how you want to live in L.A. so you can go to creepy things. I'm going to L.A. in April, so mm. yeah. Mm. I'm going for Son of Monster Palooza. I don't know what that is. It's like a like a, like a West Coast horror convention. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Um, so that's all I've really done horror related recently. Um, I think that's it. Okay. Upgrade. Now everything else I watched was like quote unquote actual movies. 
Well, that's good. Getting yeah. caught up on some. Yeah. Saw mid nineties. It was a very nice movie. Kids light. I you know kids, I, kids extra light so to speak. I I liked it. I I think there's more to it than it just being a, a kids rip off per se, but I do think it came out unfortunately the same year that Skate Kitchen came out, yes. which I think is a much better film. Let alone the same year that um, Minding the Gap came out, which yes. is a documentary, so it's hard to compare, but it's still a skate. You know what I mean? Like yeah. three skate things came out this year, and mid nineties is the least good of them. So it's it's kind I of a bummer. I still really liked it until the very end. I I liked it. I didn't hate the ending. I thought the ending was fine. Okay. I thought I thought it's a little the ending is a little corny because it feels like he suddenly was like, This movie needs a plot. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's a little weird. But I didn't hate it and I was kinda like I actually kind of felt like the ending wasn't inaccurate to stuff that would actually happen. You know what I mean? Like, and that sort of the appeal to the movie of me for me was how much of it was like, this is weird. How real, because I guess this, I'm slightly showing my bias against Jonah Hill. Okay. Oh, Jonah Hill put out a skate film set in the 90s. I'm like, oh, here we go. Whack off. To- total total uh, white dude hip-hop jerk-off fest. Like, this is going to be so cornball. And There's for, a Smith song in there, too. Don't forget that. That's true. But I'm for, sorry. I'm sorry. Morrissey song. But for me, a lot of the way things go in the movie doesn't feel like bullshit. It felt surprisingly authentic to me. And I was kind of, like, weirded out by that. Like, okay. Watching it going... Oh, this is like my friend. Uh, this yeah. is like what I, I, this has happened to me. You know, like that was kind of weird. That part of it is like I would not have been there in the sense because I didn't skate because I was bad at skating. I tried to skate and I was bad, and then I just moved on to hardcore. It was like luckily punk and hardcore was there because skating didn't work out. Yeah, was yeah sort yeah. of like how my life went in that way. But uh, but watching it, I wasn't like oh, this is just some corny you know hero worship. This guy doesn't know. And I was watching it going. Shit, what did, was which? Is this what John was Jonah Hill's childhood like this? Because this feels very accurate. Yeah, but if you're gonna have a movie in which nothing happens, it's weird to have something immediately actually happen in a very dramatic way, and that felt unearned. I didn't hate it. If the movie was different, I actually wouldn't hate that ending. But mm. for me, I wouldn't hate it. All I'm saying is, for me, I wouldn't hate it. But I, it felt it felt like another movie briefly invaded this movie, and I was like, "Wait, what? Oh, okay." Yeah, sure. I don't know. Whatever. Well, that's actual movies with William and Justin. Yeah, but we're gonna come back and talk yes. to you. We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about our top ten. Well, our collective Liam's top ten, my top ten favorite horror films of 2018. We'll be right back. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
we're back. <laughs> we're back to talk about our favorite movies from 2018. Um, there were movies in 2018. There were several movies in 2018 that we liked. Um, so I guess what we'll do is just do go. You, do you want me to start? Yeah, you can do your ten. I'll do my ten. We'll do like 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 how you're supposed to merge in when the lane closes, even though no <laughs> one does that. <laughs> Uh, okay, let me start actually with some honorable mentions. Yes, do here. that, because then I'll do my honorable mentions. Uh, I actually want to honorably mention first three TV shows, because I didn't put TV shows on my list. Do it. Fucking Channel Zero. Yes. Fucking Haunting of Hill House. Yes. Fucking uh, this one you're not going to yes, because you don't care about Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Fuck you. I'm just saying. <laughs> Those are three horror things. That they were are, I'm, t- I didn't mean fuck you. I'm just they were three horror things that were on TV that I enjoyed. Um, there's a... Just as with movies, there's a number of other horror TV things that I just didn't get a chance to check out. Like what? Um, what was the boat show? There was like a period piece show with a boat. It was like the the something. Did you hallucinate everyone this? It, everyone said it was very scary. The the the, the boat. So no, it's definitely not a haunted boat. No. Oh my god, I fucking hate you. No, 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 no. It's it's a the something. The boat. The ghost boat. I know it's not called the boat. Uh, did you imagine this? No, I hate you so much. Haunted boat. I don't think it was a haunted. Bo- I just know there was a. <sighs> okay, never, haunted never boat, two thousand eighteen. Never mind. Dulith haunted ship. No. Queen Mary stop dark it. harbor. No. Stop. Just soulmate. Stop. No. No. Cthulhu ca- canoe haunted boat ride. Oh my god, I fucking hate you. Um, so that's where I want to start, and then also some. Other things that didn't make my list, um, <laughs> uh, film-wise, Cold Hell uh, is really good. I saw it actually in 2017, but no one else saw it till 2018. I just caught it at Brooklyn R. Um, I really liked both The Ritual and The Apostle. Mm. Um, I didn't see The Apostle, and I feel like an asshole for that. I thought it was good. Okay, uh, and uh, I think I could, even though it's not on my list. Uh, I think I could include Annihilation. I didn't really think of it as a horror movie, but parts of it were very horror. Uh, the fucking shit with the bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, was so. that 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 got an honorable mention for me just because of that. The bear, and I know I've said it too many times. The doppelganger at the end. That was that was some that was like a whole different level of fear for me. I, there was just something about the way that thing moved. It just really scared me. I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like it. All right. What? Oh, I was thinking of the terror. Oh yeah, I watched that. That was a cool show. <laughs> you motherfucker. The boat. There's a boat in it, right? There are two ships. Oh, you know what? Also, didn't make my list, but I did very much enjoy Castle Rock. I yes, like Castle Rock. Yes, it... I think we both thought by the end it got a little corny, but very corny, I'll say. Yeah, but I think overall it worked. Yeah, it did. I liked it overall. Anyway, what about you? What's on your honorable uh... mentions? We'll start. Uh, like a upgrade, which I recently saw, gets an honorable mention. Uh, Mom and Dad, Annihilation, Overlord, Terrifier, Terrified, Veronica, which I completely forgot about until I was putting my list together. Oh, I forgot about Veronica too. Very good movie. Yeah. Um, Welcome to Mercy, which we saw at uh, mm-hmm. Brooklyn Heart Film Festival. Uh, Lowe's, which gets an asterisk because technically, I don't know, is it a 2018 or is it a 2019 movie? I. I put it on my list. Okay. I, I probably shouldn't have, but 
my list wasn't that big, and I loved it, so I just yeah. I threw it on there. Maybe I shouldn't, but I'll I let did. you talk about that because I really like that movie. Okay, uh, Ghost Stories, Pie Wacket, uh, The Nun. Um, I switched The Witch in the Window out for another movie that I put literally five five minutes ago. Uh, the Witch in the Window gets an honorable mention, and uh, even though I suspect that our man Brandon Foley of Black Sun Dispatches uh, is right about repeat viewings of Halloween, that it might not pack as much of a punch as the initial one did sure it still gets an honorable mention because it was cool i i mean i liked it when i saw it and i'm glad i saw it yeah but i i the more i've thought about it the more i feel like it needed more lori in it there wasn't enough lori i agree but it, yeah i you know what i i would still give it i don't i don't the, i don't disagree with all of your honorable mentions that i, okay. actu- that I actually saw <laughs> okay the only one on there I suspect I would disagree with. I haven't bothered to try to the watch nun. it. The nun. Yeah. Because you're a dickhead. No, I'm not a dickhead. I'll watch it eventually. I just haven't watched it yet. It's very good. All right. What's your number 10? All right. Uh, my number 10 is a little film called The Endless. Very interesting. That was my number 10 as well. <laughs> I mean, here's what it boils down to with The Endless. Um, there's a kind of horror that feels very film festy to me. That it's like, uh, this Hollywood would never make a movie like The Endless. No, but it tells a certain kind of story that is they don't definitely have the fucking guts to do it. Well, in the sense that it's not big enough, it's not broad enough, and it's not, it's not specifically scary. Enough. It's also too weird. That's what I was getting to. Yeah. Is that the kind of horror it is? Is the, is is kind of like a weird, not really arty, but like personal horror. I, you know, I keep seeing. Um, Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson, they made a movie. Um, for those of you who don't know <laughs> about these two filmmakers, these two. Oh, for those of you who aren't know, in the know, um, the they, way that we are. The movie that they made that put them on my radar, my elite radar, was a movie they made called Spring. Uh, that movie was Lovecraftian. Yes. It had lots of tentacles. Yes. Uh, weird shit. Race mixing. Um <laughs> Stop it. No, it didn't. It didn't. But it was a lot of tentacles. Um, so it's Lovecraftian. But I keep seeing the, the the phrase Lovecraftian thrown around when applied to this movie. And I don't really think this movie fits that. I think the trailer sort of alludes to it, but I think ultimately what it is, I think the only thing it would have in common with like Lovecraftian fiction is um, this idea of like a omnipotent, being that doesn't have our best interests in mind and that ultimately human existence is at best uh, benevolently amusing to to these things. Uh, But it's not what you traditionally think of when you think of like Lovecraftian horror. Sure. And therefore it's too weird for Hollywood. Sure. Say something else about this. This is your top ten. Uh, well, I thought we were going back and forth anyway, but yours is the same. It, it's the endless. Yeah, I, I, I love. They just, they, I, I don't know the syndicate. I think they, it's just called. They just wrapped production. I think. Oh, they have a new one coming out. Literally yesterday, they, they wrapped production. Okay. On it. So I'm. Ex- and did you like the first one? That the sort resolution? of. This is like an unofficial sequel. Oh no, it is an official sequel too. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think you. I, I don't think it's necessary to see. I will say that the sequence in this movie that is from that movie is better because I've seen that movie. Yeah, it's definitely more I think rewarding. It, I think it works fine without it. And they 
clearly are trying to make it work without it. Yeah. But I think you will get more out of it. And I think this is the sort of world building movie from that one that like it expands on it in a way that is it makes it more interesting for me at least. Fair enough. Um uh, but you're right, you don't have to have seen um what's it called again? The resolution. The resolution. Yeah. Uh, but I like the resolution. I thought it was. I thought it was cool. It's as it's for me not nearly as good as Spring, but I kind of saw like the roots of them doing something interesting. Yeah, they um, they're definitely two filmmakers that are on my list of like anything they make, I'll watch. Definitely. Uh, so what's your number nine? My number nine is The Wildling. This was on a lot of people's lists. Yes, it was especially on their things you may have missed list things you definitely didn't see in 2018 yeah, whenever, BuzzFeed exclusive. So, so here's the thing when i see one of those uh 10 horror movies you may have missed i'm always like <laughs> all right buddy yeah all and right I, and, then I'll, and then i'll look at it and then I'll, and then whatever but this year i saw three different lists where i went all right and then i went and looked and it was like yep nope you're right i haven't seen most of these my most, bad most of the time when i see those lists it's movies i've deliberately avoided because i don't want to watch them <laughs> well anyways this was on the wildling was on a bunch of lists I, it looks interesting to me i don't know anything about it it's very good um all the performances are solid uh there was a critique from a i'm hesitant to say a feminist perspective because i don't want to miss sure categorize the perspective that it's coming from that i do believe is valid um so again i think that is like a a valid concern for this movie but overall as a whole um i thought it was i thought it was a good movie uh it had it, it wasn't too horrifying in what you think about when it comes to horror i think it's more like the horror comes from the idea of like when something is happening to your body that you don't know, yeah, uh, and this movie is a is a metaphor for puberty. I'm assuming. Uh, I think that's where the horrifying part comes from. This has our our boy Michael. Or I'm sorry, James Lagrosse, the fake Michael from Phantasma Two, is in it. Right, unrecognizable, unrecognizable, but he's still in it, and a pretty awesome performance from Brad Dorif. Yeah, who just you know is the fucking man. We've talked about it before on the show. Yeah. So yeah, I would I would definitely recommend the Wildling. Uh, I feel the main actor who plays the 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 central character, the protagonist, if you will. I don't recall their name, but uh, again, I keep saying this: solid performances from everyone in this movie. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, my number nine is a little movie called Unsane. I haven't seen that. I only caught it very recently. It kind of fell off my radar for a long time that it was even coming out. And I like Soderbergh a lot. So um, I'm surprised. I don't know if it was just a small thing or whatever, but it's a very tight, handheld. It feels very experimental. It feels like something that people shot kind of like. Um, that was shot on an iPhone, correct? I think so. Uh, or. Uh, it feels like it. I'm not sure. All I know is that it all feels very small. It feels very much... If I didn't recognize some of the actors in it, I'd be like, oh, a bunch of friends made this movie. Mm. You know, It's that kind of thing. Um, but it's very effective, and it, it is very unsettling. Uh, I don't want to say too much about it because I don't want to ruin it for anybody. It's new enough. Would you uh, describe it as claustrophobic? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a little bit of a cop-out because uh, the basic plot is a woman who is trying to get over a past trauma says something in her therapy session that maybe comes across the wrong way, 
and she ends up getting involuntarily committed. And then things go haywire mm. from there. Mayhem ensues, as I'm fond of saying. Yeah. Um, it's one of those movies that it's hard to tell when things are real or not. Uh, it's one of those movies where you're not sure if your main character is reliable or not. If they Ooh, are. I like that. The unreliable narrator. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it's just made me uncomfortable. It made me very uncomfortable. And I think that that is what it's supposed to do. So I appreciate that. Cool. Very cool. Um, it probably would have gone higher. My, like, like I said, guys, I haven't actually seen a lot of newer horror this year. So I think in a different year, it might not have made my list. Liam was too busy watching uh, Burnt Offerings and screaming at the screen anytime Oliver Reed was on. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, uh, it, but it's, it is it is very good. I feel like it could have been a little better, but I, I liked it for what it was. Okay. What's your number eight, buddy? My number eight is The Ritual. All right. So uh, that was one of my honorable mentions. I really liked it. I really liked the production on it. Uh, why is it your number eight? I have a soft spot for anything that involves any sort of... The idea that there's these things that we can't explain that have been classified as gods by past cultures, whether they are um, unknown creatures or interdimensional creatures, or anything like that, or aliens. Anytime there's a thing where they're like, oh, it's a god, we're going to treat it as a god. I think that's, there's just something about that that, that speaks to me. Um, so this movie, it also had, it's the wilderness, there's four British guys. It sort of had a pastoral horror feel to it. Yeah. Sort of had like an American War from London horror feel to it. Yeah. Um, I love the creature design. Uh, I love the the sort of scant mythos they gave the the creature that they just they're like oh it's a this it's a that whatever it is I thought that was great and there the scene the scenes when they're in the house and they're all hallucinating that was really unsettling oh yeah oh yeah that statue that effigy thing they found oh yeah that really gave me the creeps uh, it reminded me. There, there's, there's an author I think I've ta- I, I've spoken about in here. He's a guy named Bentley Little who I, I cannot recommend enough. Um, if you like sort of non-sequential, almost nonsensical horror literature, I encourage you to pick up any Bentley Little book and read it, particularly The House, The Return, uh, The Summoning. He, you see that there's a pattern in this guy's titles. Uh there's he writes a lot about this, about these things that we think that cultures think are gods, but are just actually just like lunatic things that are more powerful than us. Um, and there was just something about that scene with the effigy that really struck me as something out of like a Bentley Little novel. And another scene that I, I really put this movie on my list was when the main character. They're in the, the the little shitty shack out in the Nor- Norwegian woods, and there's like the lightning storm outside, and all of a sudden the lightning flashes and it stays lit. And for whatever reason, that really well, I know the reason because it reminded me of something like being fucking abducted by aliens. That really creeped me out. Like when sure, it stayed sure. bright, I was like, "Ooh, that was." I don't think that's where they're going with this, but nonetheless, it was an effective scene. And uh, no, I, I just it was a, a solid, all around good horror movie. I agree. I agree. Uh, my number eight is The Witch in the Window. Oh. Uh, I heard someone who did not appreciate this movie describe it as a, uh, you know, it's just a family drama with like three effective scares. And I th- thought about it and I said, yeah, that's, that's basically all I need. Yeah. 
but they're really fucking effective. Yeah, if by effective you mean actually fucking terrifying, then what else? I mean, most horror movies don't have three effective scares. They're just kind of creepy, and there's one or two scares that really fuck you up. Yeah. There are three, at least three moments in this movie that are truly like, fuck, fuck you, fuck I'll say you. this, and I'm looking at Liam right now, and I don't have to explain it, but he knows what I'm talking about. I was like, text him, Liam, while I was watching this, and I was just like, holy shit. Like... The one scene, and you know the scene I'm talking about, Yeah, sort of a cliched stereotype scene. Nothing groundbreaking, but the way it's shot where it's the tight pooling, oh, yeah. and then it's the pan over, and you're like, oh my god. The, the, the scene for me, I think we're talking about the same scene. Does it involve a, te- a telephone call? See, okay, that is on my list. But I actually think the crazy scene, because of how they play it out, is not that one. Okay. It's the first one where they both, in the waking world, encounter... Oh, my God. And, I, again, I don't want to ruin it for anyone, but the way it's filmed, the reason it makes it so effective is you could make that move, that scene, this particular scare, just about being scared and people scream. But it's played like two people... Like, if this happened to us, this is how we would do exactly. it. Exactly. We would stop. Exactly. We would look at each other. We'd make sure we're both experiencing this thing. Yeah. And then we would be like, well, do we just leave? Or yeah. do we, like, try to engage? Do we engage or do we leave? And the fact that they're like, I mean, it's very much their characters. I believe those two dudes, you know, a father and son, they'd engage. Like, cause yeah. they're, even though they're scared and they've been scared, there's some part of them that's like, I gotta fucking know. I gotta know. I think. I feel like if they had. I literally think the movie suggests that if that scene had played out differently and they had just left, the movie would have been. It would have been like, and then they were scared and they left. Yeah, yeah. And then it's over. And then they burned the house down and they were none the wiser. End of the movie, but they can't. They can't do it. They can't leave. Think a non comical, actually terrifying version of the library scene in Ghostbusters. Yes, that's that's exactly what what it was. It's so good. So that scene, the scene that you're talking about, oh, um, even the the scene, the scenes as uh, he's realizing leaving the house is not going to happen for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I would even go way back to the beginning. The name of the movie, "The Witch in the Window," yeah, is not just a fun name for a movie. There's actually a witch in a window. The beginning of the film, when nothing scary has happened, if you're paying attention, the witch is in the window. In almost every fucking shot. And like... No shit. Oh, yeah. There are, like, from the beginning, it's like, was that the witch in the fucking window? (laughs) Like, over and over again. And it's like, it's always done in a way that you could miss it, and that's why it works. Like, if it was done in a way, like, over and over again, where it's like, zoom in and a music flare, you'd be like, all right, I get it. Yeah. I get it. There's a fucking witch jerk off motion. (laughs) But this is like, you can just watch the movie and not notice that they're being watched. And yeah. it's just so subtly freaky that I really appreciate it. Plus, uh, the actress who plays the witch is great. Yeah, I'm all gonna, she has to do is look creepy, but she's great. Yeah, I'm gonna go out on a limb, and I'm gonna offer an official horror business apology to this director for shitting on him with "We Go On." <laughs> okay, but that movie's bad. That's a bad movie, but I will say we did specifically say in our review of "We Go On," which we were not kind to. That there was something there that this guy knew what he was doing. He just needed to find it. Right. That's and fair. Is, that is exactly what this we said. Is, this, is, this is him finding his 
his rhythm. He also, do you, I, I know we've talked about this. Do you ever see Yellow Brick Road? No. Check it out. Okay. Another fucking weird okay. movie that he did that I didn't realize it was the same guy until you had seen this. So, um, I, I again, this is, I didn't have an amazing year, and so I know there are people who didn't love this movie, and I wouldn't go to fight you about it, but I feel like if you're like, oh, I want a movie that has a has a good amount of heart and a believable, the, the I think what works for me about this movie is that the family narrative at the center of the movie yes. is believable and compelling. Absolutely. And then scary stuff happens to them. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not, sometimes that heart at the middle of a horror movie is like, no one gives a fuck. All they yeah. care about is all the scares. So that part doesn't work. And in this movie it works. And I like that. I like also like that the ending sort of was like was like just a touch bit sticky sweet saccharine, but still was like I liked it. I could see that turning people off, but when you have an a scare that I actually did not see, the thing about one of these scares we're talking about is I did not see it coming. Yeah, most scares still work even if I know it's coming. When it happens, I'm like, oh, that got me. All right. Yeah. So you don't need to you don't need to actually surprise me. You just need to like pseudo surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. There, that that moment, I was like, oh, what? That was not, no part of me was ready for that. No part of me was like, yeah, all right, I see where we're going with this. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. well, fuck you guys. The scene that we were talking about earlier, yeah. I was like drawn in because it's just like a typical scene, like, oh, yeah. he's doing this. And then, like, as soon as she said, like, oh, da 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 da, right, do you want, and yeah. I was like, oh, like, it was, I was like Joaquin Phoenix and signs, like, oh, <laughs> like, just like, sh- shit. <laughs> I, that moment, I was expecting something to happen. I kept being like, something's going to happen. What I expected to happen wasn't that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, uh, in the middle of the day, the witch is going to show up and fuck up their time. And that is not, no, I can't say. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving on. Number seven, The Night Eats the World. I don't know the French title. Yeah, I really want to see this. It's on my list. I was hoping to watch it before we recorded, and it didn't happen for me. What is this movie? Uh, it is a French uh, us versus the things that used to be us movie. Sure. Like a zombie 28 Days Later, John. Um, I think we talked about it briefly in the show. Uh, it's based about a guy has one night in Paris he won't soon forget, uh, and he ends up as the what we're led to believe is the sole survivor of a zombie apocalypse. And he's trapped in this Parisian apartment um, while the world goes to hell outside of him. You know, there's roaming packs of fucking infected things running around. And he, it's the movies about him like combating his boredom, coming to terms with his place in life, coming to terms with his life before this shit hit the fan. And then eventually coming to terms with what he's going to do. I liked it because and in a side, you know, I we talked about how there's like a like a gloss song there. Liam's wearing a gloss t-shirt, uh, sweatshirt right now, so it's it's cool. There's like you get your punk points for knowing that. I got my punk points. Give me my punk points. I knew what it was. Um, but it, there was also the fact that the one of the things that bothers me a lot in 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 zombie TV shows and zombie movies or any depiction of fucking zombies is the noises they make. I'm so over the noises zombie makes. Sure. It's just such it's such a background thing. It's not scary anymore. It's just there. These things don't make any noise, which on paper when I'm telling you, you're like it's a big fucking deal. They don't make any noise. But like seeing it, these things that just like are like fast moving but they're not making any noise, it's very striking. I I agree with you on the noise thing. What was the zombie movie from last year? It was like an independent film. 
and it was like the woman to go out where the zombies oh, are. Oh, here alone. Here alone. Those the noises those zombies make are fucking horrifying. Yes. Cuz they're I don't even know if they're zombies or if they're sick people. I don't yeah. think they ever clarify what they are. Yeah, I don't think they come back from the dead. I think it's like they get sick and then they go after it's like you. Tw- it's like the 20 days. They thing. never stop screaming. They're just it's out of control. It's like me, but talking. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay, that's gr- I need to see it. I it's very good. It. It's very good. Uh, my number seven is a small, unknown film. No one was talking about. No it one's this seen year. this movie. No one has seen it. No one's talking about it. I feel bad because I started this off as a joke, but it's actually kind of true that not a lot of people saw this movie for the budget it had. It didn't get quite the play. What movie is that? Uh, Suspiria. Oh, I didn't yeah. see it. Yeah. I was joking like, oh, because it's I you know, I've done a lot of smaller films, so I was joking like, oh, but whatever. Yeah. But then as I'm making this joke, I'm going, Oh wait, this joke isn't funny because I think it kinda bombed. I think not a lot of people went to see it. It didn't have wide distribution. That's true, that's true. Um yeah. Uh honestly, I think this movie is so amazing. I know a lot of people hated it, but I think it's so amazing that it would be at the fucking near the top of my list. If it wasn't for that ending, the ending is real bad. Uh, and it's not thematically or narratively bad. Okay. Um, it feels as if in order to create a sense of unreality, I don't know how what to describe, but the way the movie looks changes. And there's suddenly a bunch of CGI blood, hmm. a bunch of other CGI effects. The quality of the image you're seeing sort of changes a little bit. And it all goes from feeling like a very retro 70s affair to a fucking Demu Borger music video. You're not not winning me over by that description. <laughs> that actually sounds pretty cool to me. It's the worst thing ever. It made me very angry. And I'm still mad about it because I think I like the movie. And I, I, I really wanted to watch it. I, I, you know, maybe if I saw it again, I'd feel differently. I, I really want to see it again. Um,. See the thing about this movie is that 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 has kind of turned me off from it. I am not an anti remake person, obviously. Right. But the fact that they took a the original is what eighty minutes. Yeah. And they stretched it into two hours. Yeah. That makes me suspicious. Quite the opposite. I mean, <laughs> I I I would find that only encouraging. Okay. Because the there's actually only one problem with all remakes. What's that? That you just want to make the first movie. Yeah. That's the only real problem. Anyone whose problem, to me, anyone whose problem with a remake is that it's not close enough to the original is an idiot. Okay. Just watch the original. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Remakes fall into two categories. You Good try, and bad. You try too hard to, well, bad remakes fall into two categories. You tried too hard to do the original and okay. you can't. So just you shouldn't have tried. Yeah. Or you just make a bad movie because you made a bad movie. Okay. It has nothing to do with its relationship to the original. The idea that, well, this remake would have been better if it was more like the original is a stupid idea to me. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll add the caveat to me, but I think it's probably not just to me. Because, again, just watch the original. I'm with you on that. I've I, I've I've often made jokes about anytime they make like a new like a remake that comes out, even if I think it's going to be complete dog shit, if I hear people complaining about it out of sheer spite, I will say shit like, "Man, it really." Let's say a Nightmare on Elm Street, just so I'm not appearing like a movie. It's it's a remake I like. I'm like, man, it really sucks that tomorrow the uh, police are going to come by and 
take my copy of Nightmare on Elm Street, burn <laughs> it, and then they're going to burn all the other copies of Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, don't get me wrong. In a, in a, in a different world, I would prefer we live in, there would be no remakes. I'm okay with that. I'd love for every film to be an original film. Uh, it's not that I'm married to remakes. But what tends to make a remake bad to me is either you just made a bad movie that doesn't understand anything about the original movie, or you just try to remake the original movie note for note. And yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I'll just watch the original. I don't need a new ver- I don't need a new version. What is a good remake to you? Mm, I mean, uh, obvious ones aside. Yeah. Other than the thing? Yeah. Uh, Suspiria. Okay. I don't know that there's any others I really like. The Blob, The Fly. So, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So, to me, The Blob is on the list of obviously good remakes because I don't like. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm sorry. The original Blob is bad. It's terrible. It's It's a shitty movie. It's not a good movie. Um, I can't speak to The Fly, even though I love the remake because I've never seen the original. Okay. So that's a hard thing to say one way or the other. Okay. Um, let's put it this way. Remakes that are remakes of films before the 60s, I probably haven't seen the original. So it doesn't bother me, and I prefer the remake. Remakes of films that are films that have happened since the 60s, I tend to dislike. Okay. Because I like the original so much. So, for example, I think Dawn of the Dead, the remake, would be a fine zombie movie. The problem for me is that it's just a fine zombie movie called the same thing as a movie that I think is untouchable. That's and a fair so assessment. It doesn't make me not it doesn't it didn't make me hate the movie. Like I'm not offended that it's called Dawn of the Dead. I'm just annoyed because I'm like you could have just made your own zo- just make a zombie movie and don't call it Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The for me with Suspiria is that it is a movie that builds on the me- mythos that is um very different from the original in all the ways that I kind of want it to be its own thing. But that being said, would I prefer a movie that wasn't, that was the same movie that wasn't a remake of Suspiria? I actually would. Let, let just make that movie and then let people go, you know what's weird about uh, the, the witchy dance movie? It made me think of Suspiria. Did you guys think of Suspiria when you saw that movie? It's weird because it doesn't look anything like Suspiria. And it almost doesn't have any of the same themes, but just dancing, which is I thought of Suspiria, you know? That would be better for me Interesting. an actual. But that being said, it's still a very good movie. And I think that's... So, for example, um, I'm trying to think of a remake that I really felt good about so I could have a counterexample to what I'm talking about. The Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. No, that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> Have they remade Hackers yet? <laughs> no, I mean, it's a shame because here's the deal. With a lot of these remakes, the issue, too, is that the people who do them don't understand why the original was popular. So, like, a, a really stupid remake was the Point Break remake. Yes, yes, And yes. the people who made the Point Break remake don't understand why people like Point Break. Or I would even say... They don't the, understand <sighs> films, period. Even using your example, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake yes. doesn't seem to understand... I have a complicated relationship with that movie, so I, I let's not let's not go there. Point being is that um, I don't have an issue with remakes overall, just in how they exist. That's not my issue. Okay. Uh, and so I didn't go into Suspiria like whatever. And I like this director, so I think I was a little more sympathetic. But 
even though I enjoyed so much of the movie, I just really do think the end is stupid. I just think it's stupid. And okay. I could be wrong. And by end, I mean the climax. I think the denouement is fine. Um, I don't know that I'm interested in what he wants to do, which is a prequel. I think that's a bad idea. Yeah, I'm going to go say that's a bad idea. I don't even need a sequel. Even knowing that there are sequels he could do, you know, it's a trilogy in, in the Argento version. But yeah, I was going to remake Inferno. What if he remade Mother of Tears, which came out like last year or whatever? I would actually be fine with a Mother of Tears remake because Mother of Tears is a bad movie. This, I guess this is the other thing with me and remakes. I think he should be remaking bad movies. Yes. Like movies that like had a cool idea, but they couldn't possibly execute on it. And so someone else needs to come in with more money and better technology and do it better. That's what should get remade. But instead they're like, this movie seems to mysteriously have been really good. Let's just do that again. Have you heard of this British film called Hellraiser? We could. <laughs> Let's just do that again. We could make it stronger, faster, better. <laughs> um, you know, like the RoboCop. Re- now I'm just thinking about all the remakes I didn't like, which is that doesn't help my point at all. But, That's fine. But uh, here's the here's the thing with me. I I just think if you're going to do a remake, you should have an original idea, um, and a lot of them don't. They just have no original idea. They have no idea. Yeah. So, anyways, what was your number six? Number six was A Quiet Place. Not many people saw this movie. A lot of people saw this movie. Yes, everyone saw this movie. My mom saw this movie. Uh, I think this is, other than The Nun, the only place on our list where I strongly disagree. And that's fine. I'm not going to have a fight with you about it. I'm just no, saying. This I'm is not the being only, sarcastic. There's nothing This wrong is with the that. only place where I feel like we did not see eye to eye. Because and I feel like you really like this movie, and I was like, really? Here's the thing it. about this movie. Let me add a caveat to this movie and sure. say that years from now, if I'm still alive, this movie might be expunged from my list, best of 2018, um, simply because John Krasinski, I really, yeah. I obviously really like this movie. I think John Krasinski is a capable director. I think he's a capable actor. Um, but he is the fucking epitome of the, well, I wouldn't call my film a horror film. First off, it's a film. It's not a movie. Like, he is the epitome of that. And it makes my stomach turn when I see these interviews where he's like, he just taught, well, I wouldn't say it's a horror movie. It's, you know, it's more like blah, 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 blah. And you're like, no, it's a fucking horror movie, dude. Like, it's, it's fine. And now this shit where they're talking about making a sequel, and he's like, well, I wouldn't call it a sequel. My wife, would dis- she described it in saying, it's more like if you have a book, and then there's like another book that has like the same characters, and it like carries it on. It's like, that's a fucking sequel, dude. That's a fuck. Where it's like, you know, like, you know, <laughs> like, I wouldn't call The Wastelands the sequel to The Dark Tower. I mean, I know it's got the same characters and everything, and it's the same, ca- continues the story, but I wouldn't call it a sequel. So, this is like, this is like, you know, we were just talking about my fraught relationship with remakes. Yeah. That'd be like if my way of dealing with that was like, well, I wouldn't call it a remake. I mean, it has the same name yeah. and many of the same scenes, but it's not a remake. It's a reimagining. I've heard people say that. Fuck those. Okay. I agree. So Just admit you're remaking something. It's just fine. admit you're doing a sequel. Just say, look, guys, that first movie, that shit made some money. Yeah. So now we're going to make another movie. You don't have to say that. Just say that movie had a story that I wish to continue with the second film or third film. I think film. what I said was more honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was being a little more optimistic. Well, fuck that. So, A Quiet Place, it's been, there have been millions of words written about it. I don't really feel that yeah. we even have to delve into it. Uh, so, I enjoyed it. 
but if you didn't, that's perfectly fine. We live in a free society for now, so that's that's cool. You and most of America are wrong, and that's a bad movie. It's cool. That's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's a great. It's a great movie. Number six in my place. (laughs) Liam, what's your number? What's your number six? Uh, My number six is a movie that um, your only disagreement will be with where it is on my list. No, actually, I'm changing my. I'm making a. I'm making a, a game time decision. Okay. I'm changing my list. Okay, I like that. Because I lose again. I'm like, eh, no, that should be a little bit higher. My number five is that, but my number six is a little movie called One Cut of the Dead. Okay. Now I will admit I'm cheating a little bit here because One Cut of the Dead is only part of a horror movie and it's mostly a comedy, and I understand that, but it is a movie that I think people in the horror community should see because it's the sort of comedy that's going to work for you more than it is for normals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first part is technically a horror movie, not a great one, <laughs> but that's the whole point is that um, for those of you who don't know about this movie, it's a Japanese film and it starts off with a one shot, no cuts zombie film. That is Okay. And then it goes into an actual cut rolling movie about them making that zombie movie. And you realize they must have shot the one cut that you watched doing all the crazy shit that they do in the other part, which makes that one cut even more impressive because there's so much shit going on behind the scenes that you're like, how did the fuck did they pull this off? It's crazy. Did you hear the recent hubbub over this movie? Yeah, they put a somebody put a fucking bootleg of it on Amazon. Yeah, it might have screwed up their distribution deal. Altogether. Yeah, I was talking to someone about that. Um, they just brought that up. Have you heard of this? As soon as they said like Japanese zombie movie, I was like, yeah. "One Cut of the Dead." Liam likes that movie. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. said they brought up the thing with Amazon. Yeah, it's fucked up. Apparently, anyone could upload anything to Amazon, which I guess I kind of knew that because if you go on Amazon right now, there's a number of films we've tried to watch that are just the shittiest. VHS rips is the nest on there, or what we tried to watch? Yeah, the nest with the big cockroaches. Uh, we couldn't find it. We couldn't find it. Yeah. I own it now, so we can just watch the copy I own. Interesting. All right. Uh, what was your number five then? My number five was a film called The Cured, which I believe was technically released in the end of 2017, but only received wide release in 2018. It was on a lot of people's lists, and it was on a lot of people's um things you might have missed list it's a very good movie i really want to watch it it sounds really great it, it, it uh it was um nothing groundbreaking in the original but it it was so goddamn well done that it it made up for the i, I don't want to say lack of originality because that has that sounds like i'm being like kind of mean about it but it, it really is, it's a fucking, again, it's another, uh, there's this disease that turns people into like rabid animals. And, yeah. Um, but the thing that, there's an element of this movie that really stuck with me. Well, first off, the main character, he has this like really cool relationship with his nephew. And as an uncle, I appreciate that. Um, and then the whole idea of people who come back from this disease suffering from PTSD is right. so deeply tragic to me yeah. that I think that alone is a very compelling story. And then yeah. there's more on top of that. So yeah. uh, if you haven't seen this movie, I urge you to check it out. Um, we're now getting up into my... Uh, we're in my top five. So we're in like the fucking heavy hitters. Yeah. All right. What was your number five? You made a game decision. You Philly special on this. 
It's a little movie that I'm going to let you say more about later. Okay. Called Starfish. Starfish. Shout out to Al White. Hi, Al. How you doing? He's very nice. He's a very charming man. Very charming. Yeah. Uh, Starfish, uh, time-traveling, emotional apocalypse movie. Yeah. I don't want to say too much about it because I think it's going to show up on your list in a little bit and you have a lot to say. All I'll say is um, not enough movies paint the idea of the end of the world as a, as maybe a beautiful thing. Yeah. As maybe a thing that has meaning behind it. Every movie assumes we got we got to save we got to save everything. Yeah, we have to keep this around. We have to save everything. Yeah. And I just one move I just one movie to s- maybe suggest like no, nah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's yeah. just, you know, you know what if the world ends lot of you lose a lot of good things and as a parent i would be super sad sad beyond measure yeah but if someone wanted to say well there's a lot of there's a lot of bad stuff that go away too and no part of me could even as a parent no part of me would go no man that's not right there's some part of me that go okay no you're right there's a there's there's you know so maybe it's not so bad i don't know I've listened to Tom Waits. I know that there's all the, all the good in the world you could fit inside a thimble and still have room for you and me. I yeah. know how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So Starfish is really great. That was your number five? Yep. All right. So we're on my number four. Yep. Little film that didn't get any buzz at no. all. No. No one None. heard of it. It was uh, unknown. It was a little unknown film called Mandy that had a very, very subtle and subdued performance by Nicolas Cage. <laughs> very it. subdued. So subdued and so subtle. This is subtle. such a fucking art film. Yeah, it was so quiet and very nuanced movie. What's funny is it is actually an art film. It's yeah. just It's just an art film with someone jerking off, like, basically. Yeah. And <laughs> dumping fucking LSD into their mouth. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's funny. My number four is also Mandy. Synchronicity. Synchronicity. Um... I, I actually really enjoyed Mandy. I think it would have gone slightly higher up my list um, if it was a movie about Nicolas Cage dying and a woman getting revenge. Yeah. I think that would have bumped it up to maybe number two because um, I enjoyed it that much. But I think that's partly because the appeal to me is not what it seems to be to a lot of people, which is like, woo, another crazy Nicolas Cage movie. Nicolas oh, Cage is so, so much crazy. More I, except for one, no, not one, except for two scenes that I think almost no other actor could pull off. Except for that, anyone else could have been in this fucking movie, yeah. and it would still be a really great movie, and I would still love it. I will fully admit that no other actor in the world could be in that bathroom, and it would work. Nope. Greatest living American actor, Nicolas Cage. Stop it. I won't say that. Okay. But I, but I will say that that scene was developed for it. That No one who wrote that scene, if it was written even at all, or at least who filmed it, was like, you know what? We could add Kurt Russell do this. Like, no. Hell no. no. And that's something against Kurt Russell. No. God, no. That's why I picked him. Yeah. So, yeah. Mandy, it was great. Um, I will encourage anyone who hasn't. I don't know if we talked about it on the show. If you go on YouTube and you look up, um, what was the guy's name? Linus Roach's character in this movie. Yeah. If you look up his name on YouTube, you can find his music he he his his one song the da 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 the yeah, song he yeah. plays for Mandy and she's way she doesn't give a shit and then he has it's like a twenty minute track a commentary about his early life that is just him talking like David Berkowitz style like oh my god my mom and dad they didn't appreciate my genius 
So they had to die. It's like his backstory, wow. and it makes your fucking skin crawl. Yeah. Because it's so, like, that guy, I'm not going to say he's, like, this amazing, incredible actor, but holy Jesus, he really fucking sells yeah. this. Like, you, I really, it, it, okay, if you haven't seen the movie, don't fucking listen to that. But if you have seen the movie, go listen to that ASAP. Yeah. Anything else to say about Mandy? No, I will say, since it is a movie in which a, a woman is... Brutally murdered yes. so that a man can find his penis. Um, With the help of Bill Duke. Yeah. I do want to say uh, one movie that did not make my list because Justin came in just now before I finished it, but I think would be around this part, is a little movie called Revenge. Yes. It's a French film. A lot did of you know that? A lot of people love it, and I want to hype it up too, but the reality is Justin walked in for us to record a good... I mean, he was on time. I'm making yeah. it sound like he got here early. That's not what happened at all. I just wasn't able to finish. I got a good 10 minutes left. So I can't put it on my list because that's not right. You can't no. put a movie you didn't finish on your list. But and I if lo- anything, we here at Hard Business are consistent. And, but I, did, I am enjoying it a lot, and I think it would be a good counter. You could double feature Revenge and Mandy because it's Absolutely. like Mandy's like you know, one thing and Revenge is the other, and they're both a lot of fun. And I was expecting Revenge to be so stylistic and so weird. Um, because I just thought like, oh, it's a new movie. Woman gets attacked. She just murders the dudes that attacked her. You know, bada bing, bada boom. And I wouldn't use the phrase bada bing, bada boom in that, but sure, fuck no, it. No, but you know what I mean? Like, it's that it would be straightforward. Yeah, I gotcha. But there's a lot of like weird camera stuff and a lot of like interpretive and like, you know, sometimes these films, they translate trauma into violence directly. Okay. And the reason you know that this person has gone through serious trauma is because of how violent they are. And in this movie, she is clearly suffering through PTSD as she's getting her revenge. She's not like, oh, my trauma has given me superpowers. And now I can just murder anyone and it's fine. Like, there's a key scene where she fires a gun that she has been carrying around but clearly has not fired yet. And as soon as she fires it, she's knocked on her fucking ass because it's a giant fucking gun. She's never fired it before. You know what I mean? Like, in every movie, it's like, well, her cause is so righteous. She'll be good with that gun. <laughs> and, you know, she gets a shot off. She's pretty good yeah. for whatever. But no, she's on her ass. Like, oh, God. I wasn't expecting that kind of kickback. And I thought, that was a smart move. That was a good move. Interesting. You know? Let alone that, that she, you know, she is dealing with serious trauma. And uh, so she's freaking out a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's not like she's like, man, that was so painful. Now I have the clarity, clarity of focus that I need to go I on a murder I can rationally spree. plan out my revenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like that at all. So, uh, I, I, you know, it's not on my list, but I felt like this is a good place to bring it up. All right, number three. Number three, with a bullet, possum. Holy fucking God, I cannot recommend this movie enough. I, I, I don't have free access to this movie. It, and that's why it's not on my list. Not because I didn't want to watch it, but because I just couldn't spend money at this time to watch it. It comes out on standard definition Blu-ray, I believe, at the beginning of next month. This is a movie that will... um, Another film like Hereditary that I don't think I'll ever watch again. Um, It got a lot of hype because the poster is very striking. A lot of the stills they've released in the film are very striking. And uh, I keep finding myself saying this phrase. I know we talked about this, but I reassure you if you haven't seen this movie but you have seen new stills in that poster they are the least creepy thing about this movie and if you think you're prepared for it you are way the fuck not uh the poster kind of alludes to the the, the trailer kind of alludes to some of the creepy shit that's going on 
Uh, <clears throat> um, and you could probably ascertain something that's going on about halfway through the movie, but the climax for this, it just made my stomach when I kicked the food up into my mouth and back out into my bed where I was watching the movie. Oh, gross. It was, I mean, it just, it was just, it made me nauseous. And for so many, like, physically nauseous, like, I, because what I was watching was, like, physically repulsive. And then to think about, like, what I was witnessing and what was being alluded to was also, like, nausea-inducing. It, it, but don't let me, don't don't let this lead you to believe that it's just, like, a, you know, it's so fucked up, like a Serbian film. Like, this is far more effective and far more cunning and intelligent and I don't want to say nuanced because it's you know it's it's not like a very like sneaky like <laughs> you'll see but it, it's 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 not it's it's craftier than than um than a film like the Serbian film or uh, Human Centipede or something like that like it's equally repulsive if not more but it's 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 more cerebral I guess we'll say uh, and I, I really 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 again I keep saying this for any movie you haven't seen but this is a movie that if you uh if you like deeply disturbing films um in ways that don't involve like gore or anything like that uh, i would i this is definitely up your up, up your alley and if you are not into uh childhood trauma for any any reason um i would strongly advise you to avoid this movie cuz it, it it has childhood trauma by the fucking boatload and i don't want to like I don't want anyone to go into this movie not being aware of that and see that and then have any sort of adverse emotional reaction because sure. why would we want that? That's fair. Yeah. All right. Mm, I haven't seen it. I really want to. My number three, I don't think you see it. It's a little movie called Heart Knife. Did not see it. Well, I said Heart Knife. I think it's actually Heart Plus Knife. Yes. Because I, I think it's a... Uh, not a pun. Okay. I think it's a it's a... Turn a phrase in French. It's a French film. Oh, it's French, like revenge. Yes. Okay. And I think the title is something in French that is funny or weird or something. I don't understand. I was gonna make a bad joke, but I won't. Yeah, don't. Okay. Um It's French, that means it's from France. <laughs> you fucker. Uh it's a very similar to a Giallo. It's got a lot of those themes. Okay. But it's also a very queer film, which Giallos are not very much that. Uh it's a film about uh, a director of gay porn, and she's in a tough place in her life, and at the same time, um, some murders start to happen in the community, and it takes her a little bit to realize they're related to her films. Mm. Um, it is Not weirdly funny. You saw this at Brooklyn Heart, right? I did. Okay, okay. It's weirdly funny. It's very stylistic. It has one of the best end credit scenes I've ever seen. Mm. It's just, it's fun as much as it is upsetting. Gotcha. Um, there's one moment I don't know what to do with. Uh, there's a moment where, so our the our director, our main character is a lesbian who directs uh, gay male porn. And her editor is her ex-girlfriend who she's trying to win back. And in a scene where I think she is sort of, it, it turns out she is connected possibly psychically to the killer. I like that. That's very, um, 
she's certainly connected Don't by she's very connected by these movies she makes, but it's not clear whether there's more to it than that. So in a scene where it seems like maybe she is being affected by this connection to the killer, she uh basically assaults her ex. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. And it's um it's a tough scene. It's not like brutal or anything like that, but it's just it's out of character enough that and it's it's mean enough that I could see someone being very upset by that scene, especially since this is the character we're supposed to be caring about. Okay. But I also think the movie kind of shows that she is our protagonist, not our hero, if that makes sense. Like, she fails enough in other ways that I hope that people don't think the movie is endorsing the way that she responds to this woman. Okay. Um, But I think you could read it that way if you wanted to and be upset. You know what I mean? So I, I just, I think that's, uh, you know, maybe that's just a content warning for people that uh, there is intimate partner violence in this film. Gotcha. Um, which, you know, it's a horror movie. You know, someone gets killed with a dildo. But I think that... <laughs> Jesus, okay. I think the the scenes of violence are what you expect from the horror movie. Gotcha. You're there and you expect someone to get murdered. You don't expect your protagonist to treat her partner in such a way unless the movie's about how she's a monster but maybe that is kind of what i guess that's my suggestion is that it feels like maybe that is a little bit what the movie's about but i've I've definitely read people who saw the movie and were like why is no one talking about this upsetting it's a very short it's like it's like you know it's 30 seconds or something but yeah yeah but it, it is because it's the character who we most identify with i can see where it could be upsetting like is this movie justifying that behavior? Mm. I don't think it is at all, but um, but it's worth putting it out there that if that's something that um, is going to be triggering for you or is upsetting in a in a particular way, for me, I just thought it was part of the character losing her shit. That's how I interpreted it. But that's just my interpretation, and I don't have a, a history with that, so it's easy for me yeah. to feel that way. Um, if it's not going, if that's not how it's going to be for you, you might want to skip it. But um, it was my number three. I loved it. I appreciate that. My number two is a movie that, again, has not made any lists. Nobody saw this movie. Psychological thriller. (laughs) Backdrop to me almost fighting a middle-aged woman. (laughs) Hereditary. Hereditary. Yes. It was okay. It was fine. It was good. You know, the kills weren't even that brutal. No. Tony Klett certainly shouldn't get a fucking Oscar for that performance. Yeah. That dinner scene wasn't one of the most harrowing things I've ever seen in a movie oh ever. Oh my god! Um, what's this movie about, Justin? Uh, I believe it's about a little girl who finds her way in the world. <laughs> I was about to say it's a it's about a young man who finally finds himself. Yeah, and what he himself being the spirit of his dead <laughs> his sister. Dead sister, who is also in turn the spirit of a fucking king of hell, Payman. Hell, Payman. Oh my god, this fucking movie. Holy Jesus Christ. Um What is it? May we have honor and wealth and good familiars? Good familiars, yes. Which is up there with uh Living Deliciously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. That was the thing I remember I, I completely forgot that till right now, like walking in the theater is like, well, I'd like to live deliciously 
and have good familiars, honor, and wealth. Yeah. It's what, it's what everyone wants from the devil or payment or whoever the fuck he is. Hail payment. The best hail whatever thing since uh, Rosemary's Baby. I'll have some more to say about this, too. Yes. But, but so, yeah, you, you thought the performances were good. You thought it was upsetting. thought it was upsetting. Again, not in a way that's just like so... Um, it's it's done well. I the, right. I guess the the metaphor I would say was like this. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll say hereditary and possum. They were upsetting in the same way that like, um, like if there's like a boxing match, like you could win a boxing match by running yeah. out and just hitting the guy in the dick as yeah. fast as you can. Yeah. Well, and I like, don't think you would win. You, you wouldn't win, but you would you would have you would have beaten him. Yeah. Okay. Or you could win on points through your talent and the craft and the sweet science. And all that stuff. The, these two movies are are very, they're like multi pronged attacks on you emotionally. Yeah. And Jesus Christ, I don't know if it's just because I just related way too much to like this the 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 the, the actress in this movie, who she just she reminded me of my I have a nine year old niece. She reminded me way too much of my niece. And if you've seen this movie, you're like, fuck, that sucks to be you, because you don't want to think about your fucking kid when you see this movie. Um. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can't do that now. It's terrifying. It, it's like the first two-thirds of this movie are like, what the fuck? There's all this, like, creepy buildup. Oh, this, like, horrible, like, the most horrible thing that can happen to a parent happens in this movie. And you're like, what else is going to happen? And then everything else happens. And the last act of this movie is just fucking nightmarish image upon nightmarish image upon... It's just a fucking cacophony, a kaleidoscope of, of fucking surreal fear. What's your number, uh, what's your number two? <laughs> um, so this is a little bit of a... Because of a I got some, I, I, there's some more unsaid about that, but I'm going to save it for you. There's, this is a little bit of a cop-out move, I think, because you didn't put this movie on your list because it's unclear if it's a 2018 or a 2019 release. Uh, yes, okay. And I'm not sure if we're maybe breaking something by talking about it. Like uh, I think it, technically we are. It's <laughs> mini it's mini embargoed, so I don't want to say too much about it. Uh Look, I didn't get an email about that. Yeah. I won't say too much about it. All I'm going to say is I'm just being honest here. Luz was my favorite second favorite horror movie of the year. Yeah. It might have been my favorite if the number my number one had so completely fucked me up <laughs> in such a visceral way. Uh, I didn't get a chance to rewatch Luz, uh, though I I have I'm, I will watch it again soon. So maybe if I did, I'd put it in number one instead. Yeah. But I did get a chance to rewatch my number one, and it fucked me up. So I, I just want to say real quick with Luz, this movie I fall in the camp of this is a 2019 movie, so uh-huh. that's why it didn't make my list. But I. I will co-sign whatever Liam says about this movie. It was fucking amazing. It's amazing. It's um, it's a film that manages to give you nothing and everything. Yes. Um, it it creates such a completely immersive and compelling atmosphere that the fact that you're not quite sure what's going on with the story, how much of it you can believe, and how much of it is real, none of that matters. Yes. Because it gets at you in other ways and you can't get away from it. Yeah. Um, and when it's over, you can't believe it's over. Yeah. 
it's a short film. It's only like 67 minutes, too, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a very short film, but it does everything it needs to do. Absolutely. And it ends in a way where you're not sure. It's not that you're not sure what happened, but but you're sort of menaced by the fact that you don't understand everything that happened. Yeah. And most of it happens in two rooms. Yeah. It's crazy. All of it happens in two Well... There's some Three. yeah yeah there's some flashbacky stuff that yeah. could be in another room so all that to say I don't want to say too much about it because like I said I don't know if we're still embargoed on it and I, who can embargo you till 2019 I don't fucking know but the point is is that it's really great and it's gonna come out at some point this year and so it was worth it to me to bring it up because I th- I want to I want to encourage everyone to see it yes if you absolutely. like this show you'll like that movie absolutely uh. Talk about your number one because it kind of ties in with what I was just talking about. Uh, number one? My number one is Hereditary. Yay! Hereditary, the feel-good movie of 2018. Uh, I know not everybody loved this movie, and there are even people listening to the show who are being like, "Oh man, what is your number one?" Blah blah blah. I don't give a fuck. Look, it upset me, and then when I rewatched, I thought, but "Here's, I'll tell you straight up, this is the only movie I rewatched on this list, partly because of time, but partly." I thought, you know, I need to see... Because my fear with Redditary was that on second viewing, it would lose all its power. You know what's going to happen. So it doesn't matter. It's no longer scary. It's no longer compelling. It's no longer upsetting. Because it's revealed all its secrets. And so there's nothing left for you. No, every fucking moment is just as disturbing. Everything... The part where I fucking cried in the movie theater, I (laughs) cried again at home. It's... Again, me, you know, it's not that for everyone. For some people, it didn't mean anything. It didn't connect with them. They weren't moved by it. But that movie is under my skin. And even more crazily, the only thing that changed for me is that the end end, the very end of the movie, I realized it's it's possibly a happy ending. Between the way that the way that she responds to him. Yeah. And the music. You know what's weird? You know what the ending reminded me of? What? And it, when I think about it, um, I, it, it looks similar. Remember the end of Lords of Salem? Mm-hmm. When it shows like Dee Wallace and Judy Geeson and I forget who else. Meg yeah, Foster. Rob, Rob Zombie's one masterpiece. Rob, yeah, yeah, the one good Rob, yeah. And it's like it's like the shot of them like looking down and praying and all of a sudden like Velvet Underground starts pray, playing. They all look up and then it slowly zooms out on Sherry Moon Zombie like all done up as the Beast of the Apocalypse. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, the Mother of Revelations or whatever. Yeah, mother yeah, of yeah. all harlots, the Abomination. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of that. Like I almost felt like All Tomorrow's Party should have been playing in Hereditary as it like panned you know, on Charlie like well, sure, but it, it, it Joni Mitchell works just as well. And yes, that song that's is just as nightmare. I mean, all of all of hippie child flower culture is is, fuck- is Satan on Earth, like yeah, yeah. without a doubt. It's yeah, all yeah. nightmare under the surface. Yes, and that song playing was like, oh man, those like when that the second time I watched it, the song starts to play and they're pulling out. I'm like, oh these these old Northwestern hippies have been working for this for a very long, I mean, years they've been building towards this bringing payment to earth and, and they did it. Like they did it. And in fact, 
you could almost argue the the movie leading up to his coming is so filled with pain and anguish and suffering. Yeah. The fact that it builds towards something and something that could be the end of the world, that's a happy ending. That is yeah. a straight up a ha- and realizing that that is both a happy and upsetting ending at the same time made me appreciate the movie even more and that much more and that's I think why it's number one for me. Plus, as you already alluded to, the special effects are amazing. The direction is amazing. The script is great. The performances. I mean, Gabriel Byrne is not getting the attention no. that he deserves. This is his finest performance since End of Day, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but that, you know, the young the young man who plays her son, I think is amazing. Um, the actress who is the daughter is amazing. You know, Charlie... Everything about it just really worked for me. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I think it's an unbelievable film. Uh, and now that I've watched it again, it probably would be higher on my total end of year list. But like I said, I had a really great year in movies overall. Yeah. I just wasn't able to see all the horror I'd like to see. But um, but I feel good with my number one at least. Yeah. Fair enough. What was my, your number one? My number one was uh, Starfish. Yay! I've made no secret about that. Just shoot confetti in the air. Um, that movie really affected me when I first saw it, and there have been, I won't, you know, I'll spare you guys the sad, fucking depressing details. Uh, some things have happened in my life recently that have made me appreciate this movie more. Um, it deals with a lot of themes that I myself have dealt with in my life, um, particularly with the concept of guilt, lingering guilt, uh, what my therapist has referred to as an essential character of mine, which is this like hyper-developed sense of guilt, which will kill me one day. Um, guilt and the, and, and the, 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 the poor processing of grief, which is what I think the, is what's truly horrific about this movie. If you want, if, if you're, if, if your eyes are glazing right now, but you still want to hear what I have to say, we, I wrote a review for this on Cinepunks. You can go read it. Um, I don't think I'm going to say anything that I didn't say in that. But I, I think what was most effective about this movie was we all know that interdimensional monsters in the end of the world is scary. And this movie has both of them. But what is like truly terrifying and what literally every person who isn't a sociopath can relate to is guilt and what that can do to you especially when it's guilt for something that you did like rightfully placed guilt um it can kill you it can drive you insane and i think the lesson in this movie is that uh there might not be a light at the end of the tunnel we don't know the world might not get any better things might not pick up we don't know but if you stay lingering and wallowing in self-pity and and, and guilt and you don't try to move on like there's definitely not going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. And for a movie with such a stark message, it was a very beautifully shot movie. And I think the contrast between that definitely spoke to me on a level. Um, so that that's why it's, you know, I was in tears watching this movie. It's not a particularly sad movie, which is like the weird thing, but there was just something about it that, that hit all the right chords, like, in my fucking heart. And for that, it it earned it it earned the it earned the very coveted number one spot in my my end of year list. So thank you, Al White, for 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 bringing this movie into the world. And uh, yeah, I don't know. 
2018, a hell of a hell of a year for horror movies. Agreed. Um, now we're going to talk about real quick. Are there any movies or TV shows in 2019, the year of our Lord 2019, that you're looking forward to? Well, uh, I think we're both looking forward to us. Yes, uh, the new Jordan Peele. Absolutely. I, 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 I think you were a little skeptical of the trailer. Yeah, but ways. I have faith in Jordan Peele. Yeah, and that's what it was on to. Yeah, is faith in Jordan Peele. Um, I haven't seen it. It's it's not 2019, but it'll be 2019 for me. I'm hoping to catch that uh, Night Flyer show. Okay. The George R. R. Martin scary sci-fi yes space thing. Um, we're of course both very excited for Gojira. Yes. Would you call that a horror movie? Yeah, it's not, but I would. Yeah, I mean, it's Michael Donaghan, and he did, like, Trick or Treat and Krampus, so... Yeah, we'll and, see. I'm sorry, Ghidorah is scary. He's very scary. Yeah. Ghidorah. He's very... It is very scary. I can. Is he a he? What are his preferred pronouns? Their preferred pronouns. And, and no one's... And no one... They have three heads. And no one has confirmed for me that Gamera is not in this movie, and that would be very scary. Why would Gamera be in this movie? It's a turtle. He's a big turtle. Are you also unsure if King Caesar is going to be in this movie? <laughs> or Manda? Or I will walk out of the theater and emo- fucking set myself on fire in the parking lot if Godzilla's nephew shows up. I would be so stoked if Godzilla's nephew No, I would fucking freak Godzuki? out. Is that his name? No, Godzuki? that's his... No, I'm sorry. Godzilla's son. Godzuki is his nephew. Godzilla's son, Minya. That fucking tiny piece of shit from Son of Godzilla... Oh, he's the. F- I would literally. I'm not being facetious. I would literally walk out of the movie theater if they even mentioned. If they're like, "Oh, it turns out this thing might have a a child," I'd be like, "Fuck this movie! Fuck everyone involved in making this." Um, thanks for that. Yes, uh. <laughs> a little a little window into my insane hatred of uh Toho films from the 1970s. What else, Tony? What are you excited for? I'm excited for everything. You, I'm 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 here for us. I'm excited about us. Uh, Pet Cemetery, which comes out April fifth. Um, Godzilla King of Monsters. Uh, it Chapter Two. Oh, of course, yeah. Which is sort of unspoken. That doesn't need to be said, you know. Uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. I'm, I'm excited about that, but I'm also more like morbidly curious about how they're going to pull it off. Right. Because it's being produced by Guillermo del Toro, and it's being directed by Andre Overdraw, who directed. The Autopsy of Jane Doe and Troll Hunter, both are movies that we both love. Um, and I mean, it's there's also uh, there's a Larry Fassbender movie, Fassbender, Larry Fassbender, Larry Fassbender movie, Depraved, and then what is the new? Um, the new, it's the new movie from the guy who did Hereditary has a film coming out in, in 2019. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, I am also excited about Brightburn. Oh, right. I know I've been a bit of a snarky dickhead on social media about I hope that uh, Mark Wade and uh, J. Michael Straczynski get their uh, their just due for this movie. But the more I think about this movie, the more I'm excited about it. Because I love a good Superman gone bad story. Yeah. And this movie, lo- and plus it's James Gunn. Fuck you, Disney. I'm glad he's back to making movies. Um, what was, I'm oh, to... and James Wan is producing a film called The Curse of La Llorona. 
Uh, there's a there's a um. Oh yes, I'm interested in the scary stories to tell in the dark. Midsummer is the Ari Aster film, the guy who did Hereditary. <laughs> and I'm shy. I interrupt you again. Hole in the ground. You're so fucking out of control. Hole in the ground. Um, there's a there's a show coming out called The Owl House, which is The a, Owl House about owls. Nope. Uh, a horror comedy series that follows Luz, a self-assured teenage human girl who accidentally stumbles into the demon realm where she befriends a rebellious witch named Ida and an adorably tiny warrior named King. I like that. Despite not having magical abilities, Luz pursues her dream of becoming a witch by serving as Ida's apprentice at the Owl House and ultimately finds a new family in an unlikely setting. Uh, I like cute things that are like kind of for kids, kind of not for kids. Yeah. That like have scary stuff in them yeah you know so i'm into it's that basically our childhood yeah dark crystal fucking scary stories to tell in the dark the secret of them uh, i think some of the producers are from a show i mentioned earlier over the garden wall so cool. that's why i'm kind of stoked on it um what other scary mo- i know there's more scary movies coming out and i don't can't think of one off the top of my head uh i'll talk i'm excited about uh we are recording this on a saturday yeah on <sighs> tomorrow night is the season three premiere of true detective I don't know what this season's going to hold. I hope there's more vaguely Lovecraftian stuff going on in there. And then Monday is the series premiere of The Passage, which is based on the Justin Cronin books. Oh, yeah. Which I am so fucking ready for. And then uh, season, the next episode of Project Blue Book is about the Flatwoods Monster. Which, if you don't know, congratulations, you're not a crazy person like me. (laughs) So, yeah, that's... That's what 2019 horrors is. That that's 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 all we know right now. That that's what's going to happen. Who knows what the future holds? Um, there was supposed to be a remake of Jacob's Ladder released in 2019. Jesus, I don't know if that's going to happen now because I haven't heard anything about it. I'm interested in the Pet Cemetery remake. I'm very interested in the Pet Cemetery, especially because a few weeks ago I watched a few episodes of season four from Dexter, and I was like, man, John Lithgow can really fucking bring it when he needs to. Oh yeah. Even though, even though Judd Judd Crandall is the opposite of uh, what's his face, the Trinity Killer, but yeah. you know, my man can still act. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's it. That's 2018 in horror. Yeah. 2019, year of our Lord, new year, moving forward. We got a lot of cool stuff coming up for you guys. Um, we have some cool guests that are going to be on the show soon. Uh, I don't want to reveal any secrets, although we've had an open secret this whole episode. Giggle, giggle, giggle. Him just shot me a <laughs> Very dirty look. Uh. So yeah, we got some cool stuff coming up. We're excited. Um, as always. Oh, you know what we didn't do? What? You know what we didn't do, Liam? What? We have a few reviews to read. That just that just dawned on me. Oh, did that happen? We at literally the end of last episode we talked about it. <laughs> Sorry. So apologies. So let's read some reviews. This was from Josh in K-Town. I'm always happy to see that a new episode of this wonderful show is available and always move it straight to the front of my queue. Harbus is another excellent podcast from the fine folks at Cinepunks, and it's definitely one of my favorites. Thank you so much, Josh from K-Town. I really appreciate that. I have a bachelor's degree from Kutztown University, and I had many an adventure on the streets of Kutztown, which I shan't talk about. <laughs> okay, so this is from Dan, a.k.a. Vito DeVito. Great podcast. Okay, I love this podcast. Cool. 
I subscribed on the episode where they reviewed Don't Look Now way back in the day. I think that was like our third or fourth episode. Mm-hmm. So thanks for sticking with us. Been around for a bit. I don't always agree with them. They trashed the film Shriek of the Mutilated, and we all know how amazing that film is. No one knows that. Yeah, you know that. No but, one knows I that. Mean, not, not to be unkind, thank you for this review. You're being nice to us, so we're being nice yeah. to you. But just so you know, yeah. no one fucking knows that. My man redeems himself right here. That said, they pick great topics. Trash the Warrens. Fuck the Warrens. Yo, fuck the Warrens. Fuck the Warrens. And give a great analysis of all films they review. Also, subscribe to Cinepunks for non-harm film reviews. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So, as you guys can see, if you leave us a five-star review, we'll re- we will read it on the air and say nice things about you. Uh, so, that being said, you should head to iTunes, and you should rate, review, subscribe, and download, download, download. 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 For more episodes of this show, great articles, and episodes of several other great shows, you can head to www.cinepunks.com. Um, I have a few... Liam has a few pieces on there too. Writing where we write things, we write reviews, we talk about stuff. You can yeah. go read that. Um, tell all your friends. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Okay, cool. Anything else we want to hype? Uh, I think we just want to thank uh, Jacob Roberts yet again for being our editor. The best. Um, I mean, if you know, he's basically our editor, and he's becoming a producer soon. Yeah, He'll be a producer. Yeah. Like a Rick Rubin producer, like a Butch Vig producer. No, I mean all it means is he has got to do some pre work for us, and then he'll be a producer. Robert Evans producer is what you're talking. Jesus. All right, we're gonna go. All right, later. Bye. Don't talk. Just listen. Son, there is no hope, only mystery, wonder, and danger. Black Sun Dispatches on the Cinephone.